apart. We've got groups on Sunday night, Wednesday nights, and also on Saturday night. And it's just a power. So if you haven't done that with other believers, there's still seven, seven weeks left. All right. This morning, why don't you grab your Bibles and open a book of Romans, Romans chapter 3. In only eight weeks, and we're checking out a couple chapters at a time. And uh, this series is all about uh, the book of Romans, about the gospel. He, he's writing hey, to Paul. So, uh, these are some corrections that you can make, and he gives us a little pieces of, of some gold nuggets here or there. But Rome, he's never been there yet. So he gave them the gospel, and his, his folking at here in the book of Romans. And so in, in chapters 3 and 4 is where we left off last time. Through 1 in Romans, because last week, we got to talk about that great thing called God's wrath. God's wrath. Anybody blessed by God's wrath out there? Right? It's not a fun time of wrath if we didn't talk about how sinful we are and what we're deserving, that we deserve hell, this dark picture. And the gospel is not going to be, it does in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. So that way, when he tells us about the gospel in Romans chapter 3, we realize how great a gift that it truly is on us right now. See, uh, what he's doing is simply allowing us to experience the consequences of the choices that we make. So we make these choices to go, so to go off and, and that we want to walk through. And, and so we experience the effects of sin in this world today. Sickness and, and disease and, and only do we experience God's things. There's another day coming called Judgment Day. When, when we die, we have to stand before God. We have to stand before the judge. And, and that's a scary thought. Every time wrath is storing up for us, and it's going to be poured out on us. And, and if we sin, even if we just had one sin in our entire life, and oftentimes we're worthy, compare to the person sitting next to us, right? Sit over there and you think, well, they're worse sinner than I am, so I'm probably okay. Three people uh, in Hawaii, all right? How many would like to go to Hawaii, come and destroy the island? Sound nice? So you have to swim to the nearest landmass which is California, 2,390 miles away. So they jump in people. They've got a sw- And the first one starts swimming. But the problem is he doesn't know how to swim. It becomes too, you know, so he's, you know, they get anywhere and he drowns. He dies. Second one, you know, they're, they know how to swim. You know, they're, they're in good shape, but it's going pretty good. Really don't swim that much, but eventually they, they get tired and the waves, they just never swam in an ocean before, and the waves are crashing in on them. They don't know what to do. Their, their, their response and event power and, and die. Now, the third person is a marathon swimmer. And they, they, they know how to swim strong. They go 48 hours. They're still swimming strong. And, and eventually, though, the, they get a little tired, and, and they, they get out. They set the world record. They go 150 miles. And then they drown and die. The one who swam, who's better swam two miles or the one who swam 150 miles? None of them. They're all dead, right? They all drowned. And sometimes that's the way we look at God's. The truth is that I swam farther than that of God's wrath. Whether you're the nicest person on the planet or whether you're the worst sinner on the planet, right? This is Paul's con- nicest sinner on the planet. We're all wrath. In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, you can, you can look that up. Paul comes all the way down to this. This is what he concludes about God's wrath, serving the law. Therefore, we become conscious of sin. So he points out in here, there is no one righteous, no one who's good enough, understands, no one reading in verse 10, God. 
All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not a vipers is on their one. Are cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear. That's his conclusion. That's what he comes up with. God's right. There is no one righteous. He says, you've got, you obey that perfectly there for you to have a roadmap of how to give it, get to heaven. The law was there so you would know how terrible you are. Isn't that an interesting concept? Behind you and you see, last time this happened to you, your light's flashing and the siren going off and you're getting pulled over. Anybody that happened to you this week? No? Ever? It's like, this month? okay. Yeah, a few of I got caught. You know, so you pull off to the side of the road and, uh, you know, the officer comes up and knocks on your window and says, do you know how fast? Do you know how? I say, well, it is here. Well, it's 65. He's like, you're right. I just want to tell you, you're doing a great job. You know, just, I really wanted to just pull you over to applaud you. 80 in a 60 for bang law. No ticket. Here's your fine. Here's some wrath for you. Right? Because the law isn't there to tell us how good we are. The law is there to tell us this person was just, right? Laws all their life. You know, no felonies, no parking tickets. They don't do that. Because the law isn't there to applaud us. The law is to tell us, all right, okay, don't murder, don't, don't steal, don't uh, commit adultery, honor my father and mother, all that perfectly. You know, keep the Lord first. The law isn't there to, as a roadmap to heaven. The law is there to tell us we're guilty. We're, we're sinners that, that we're not good enough. Makes us conscious. Says the law brings, let us know we're not good enough. So if we're not right with God, if the holiness makes us guilty of God's rule that we're guilty is inescapable, what hope do we have, right? Paul, what are you trying to tell us here? Like, this isn't very hopeful. We do when we're faced, listen to this, that we're objects of wrath, that we're deserving of hell. Uh, Jesus says that the fool says, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, the fool says, hey. that's not what Paul says. Listen to this, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. You'd think the next verse would say, you know, you're defeated, you're not good enough. I like that but in there. You know, I like that but now or but God. Because uh, something different is happening. He says, but now a righteousness, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference through the redemption and fall short of the Christ Jesus. Right? He starts out with but now. That was really dark. You know, all the things back there, God's wrath is really terrible. That picture, things are hope. But now, things are really terrible, but now, let me tell you the gospel. Let me tell you how bright and sh- that has been in place. gospel is and how much uh, that first sin. There is a chance for you uh, to come back. There is good news, and this is what my gospel is all about. That's what Paul is telling us from God. All about this righteousness from God. You know, this is, whether you realize it or not, what we've been seeking after our whole lives. We've been seeking after this righteousness from God. We want to be able to be the righteousness mean in the sight of God. When we hit that judgment day, when we get before that throne and he opens up the books, we never knew you. Well done, good and fair. How do we get into that right standing, right? How do we get into the club? How do we get into uh, his family? How do we make that happen? And we've been trying to earn it on our own. We've been trying to do good works. We've been trying to work really hard. But no matter what we do, we always, now there is a find this righteousness from God. Ever worked really hard on something and, and failed? Ever been there? It wasn't British literature. Just class for me in high school, it was woodshop. Think about that for a second. Woodshop, of all the classes, that was the one that I struggled with, totally new to me. 
And, and the reason really was the teacher had a terrible grading scale, right? Every assignment that he had was worth 12 points. That was it, just 12 points. Point, only two assignments the whole And the two projects were wood project number one and wood project number two. And I didn't know how to work with wood. You know, so I, I was trying to train really hard. I've got to make sure that, all right, what do I need to do? You know, how, how can I make this happen? And, and I found out that no matter how much you study, it's nice until you actually, uh, my first project, project number one, and I find a nice piece of oak wood to, to work with, and, and I'm starting to use tools that I didn't even, and so I'm sending the piece of wood through, and it's eh, pretty sure I ruined the first piece of wood. So then I got another piece of wood, uh, what started over, and, and finally, Right, that was me. I'm just, everything's by the book. I've got all the math down and all the angles, and, and this is going to be the greatest project in it. Right, and I'm trying to class. They're just goofing this work. So we stain it, poly it, and eventually I turn it, right? And what I have at the end of, sure, and he, he ships it back to me and says, 8 out of 12. 8 out of 12. Man, like I'm practically failing this class. Like, this is terrible. I just hope that I can pass. One assignment left. Like, then I go to project number two. And I think, okay, I got to gotta really, I got to get that 12 out of 12. This is the only way I can make it happen. And uh, so it's in that thing. Cribbage board. Too many for a rookie person who's never used a drill press before to drill. And, and so I, I pull it out, and I'm using tools to drill in this little thing to make it look nice. And so I get in. I've got my whole diagram laid out. It's taped to the thing. And, and I start you know, going through the drill in the press, you know, making sure that, uh, and then on the fourth one, everything slipped, and you can't undrill a hole. And I went for, and I looked, and there was a bunch, it was, I mean, it was supposed to be a straight line of holes, and it was kind of, you know, it was like a snake of holes, like this is a new way, eight out of 12. And uh, so I, I, I don't even know if that's passing in this class, like this, this is terrible, I'm going to fail wood shop. Right, I'm gonna, this is terrible. Look, I'm going to fail Woodshop. We're getting in there, and there's maybe two weeks left to go, and all of a sudden the teacher says, you know what, I'm going to give a chance for extra credit. I'm like, oh, praise God. Twelve, get like one or two points. And I was like, man, I'm really thankful Woodshop teachers don't know about math. Um, and, and he said, here's all you need to do. Watch the safety video. Wow, you might as well have just handed it. Have your parents initial it. So I go home, watch the video, parents initial it. I turn it back in. He gives me 12 extra credit points. So I go from failing, amazing, it was this gift, to now I get 107. And, and that's kind of what our lives look like. You know, Paul's saying, you were failing in a class, right? You got it good enough. No matter how hard you worked, no matter how hard you tried, you were failing. But the credit points, there's a righteousness, right? That we didn't earn, that we can't brag about. And now we go from an F plus to an A plus. And you're sitting, come before the fire. I failed. He's like, well, it wasn't you. It, it was that extra credit. It was for, this did the work for you. It's this, that, that we are justified freely, that God justifies us freely. He does it without cause. It, it's unwarranted. It, but he justifies freely. Ephesians 2.8 tells us that, that grace is a gift of God. It's a gift. It's a gift. And I'm God's grace, but the work for us. See, you can't earn a gift. You can't. It's impossible to earn a gift. Because it's wage. It's no longer a gift. Gift is free. See, we were sinful. There was nothing we could do to make it into heaven, no matter how hard we worked. But credit that, that Jesus gives us if we believe in him. 
So who's this extra credit for, right? Message in, in this gospel. Who is this who it says the gospel is for everyone? It's for all who believe. And when, when Paul says all here, he means it's for all. God, that, that means all. Much as he said there's breath, in verse 22 it says it, it's for all who believe. It's for all who believe on this earth. It's an equal opportunity your, your race, your gender, your social status, your income level, your culture, your location. Uh, God gives it freely. Heaven says, for the grace of God. Look at Jesus. Look at his ministry. He didn't just cater towards the really poor. He didn't just cater towards the really rich people. With him. Right? The centurions, I mean, say the word and I'm going to believe it. And Jesus healed them. And here's a centurion. Here's, here's this soldier with a lot of that, that people respect. Jesus also healed the leper, the one who had no status, the one who was an outcast in their society, who had to declare who, uh, she wasn't a Jew, she was a Gentile, and, and she was the lowest of the Gentiles. So, the, but, but Jesus, fellow Samaritans, didn't even want to care for her, and he revealed to her that he was the Christ, that he was the Messiah. But then at the same time, he also raised the synagogue leader's society from the dead. Romans 2.11 says, for God does not show favoritism, or God is no respecter of persons, justly. God doesn't show favoritism like somebody else got the job because, you know, they had an in and you didn't, even though you were more qualified. I mean, you look around this world and you've been trafficking it's all over the clean water in different places, and we, we see injustices all over this world. But here's the thing, as company as it is for the jam is the same for everybody, as it is for, you know, the, the homeless person outside the company. The dream, it's good news. Person. God doesn't show favoritism. The gospel is for everyone. Well, how, so how do we get this gospel? How do we get the extra credit? Uh, well, it says in this passage that we get it through faith in Jesus. Just that's how we get it's through faith in Jesus. Uh, we even see this in the Old Testament. In chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, it goes through and, and talks about this uh, with Abraham. Faith being credited. Remember Abraham uh, in the Old Testament in Genesis. Uh, he's sitting there one day and God says, hey, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. He says, I'll, I'll let you know later. Right? So he, he packs up his whole family and he just follows God wherever you want me to go. He doesn't know what's going to happen. God just promised that I'm, Abraham starts following. And he's, you can read about this in uh, Genesis around 15. You can read it uh, in Romans chapter 4. But Abraham starts following God. God eventually, he lands different things, different land of Canaan. And, and God tells him, I'm going to give you this land. This land that you're standing on, I'm going to give it to you. Be a great nation, any of them are. You're going to have more descendants than the scar, stars in the sky. Like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And, but here's the point he started. He's probably pushing... 80 or better now. And his wife is 70, but I'm going to, right? And I'm also officially old. Like, how, how is this going to work, right? I, I, how, how is this going to happen? How is this going to leave God? And it, and it said in Romans, credited to him as righteousness. He believed God, even though what God told him seemed outlandish. His God seemed to, to match human standards. See, he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That's what faith is. But being persuaded, fully, God has the power. Do you have faith that God can do the miraculous? Do you have faith that, that when you pray and you ask Jesus into your heart, that he will save you? Do you have that faith? 
Anybody been to Valley Fair? A few years ago, doing all that fun stuff. And the day was rainy. I mean, the whole time we were driving and the sun came. It, it was raining out and a beautiful day. The, the fun part was everybody else figured it was going to be a rainy day, so they stayed home. So we had the whole park to ourselves. I mean, we were just the biggest, baddest ride that Valley Fair has to offer. So we run to the wild thing. I mean, this is it's 207 feet up, right? 60-degree drop. The whole group gets on the roller coaster. And, I mean, you're going up, and it's click, 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 click. And you get up that 207 feet, it just feels seatbelt world from up there. It's great. And then all of a sudden, you start leaning over. If you're in the front of the coaster, that's fun, because you, you lean over, and you should start screaming, and not quite yet. You know, but you had your hands up on the way up. Now your hands ha- have come back down to the bar, right? And, and so you shoot down there, and you're going super fast, and you're going around every corner and everything. I roll heart was just screaming and yelling and exhilarating why people are screaming. It's because we're not fully persuaded that we won't die. I mean, that's why roller coasters are fun. You just never, I mean, you sunset here. But I, well, I mean, I, so we're having fun. And we get done, and we realize there's still no line for this ride. Come back in, still no yeah, let's do it. Do it again. Yeah, let's go again. You know, so we're going again. We got through five times. By the, the fifth time, nobody, we were fully persuaded that we weren't going to die, right? And it wasn't as fun anymore. Let's be honest, right? Well, it's the willingness to get off, but even though I might die. But then as we, as we step in, as we trust God, and we realize, wait a minute, God, I'm safer in your hands. Now I'm on solid rock. was just there's twists and turns in my life. I know that you're with me. God, I know that you're like that seatbelt uh, on, on the roller coaster, and I'm there to save us anywhere. Be persuaded that, that God will fulfill his promises. Worship team, would you come? Because we have to have faith, in, specifically in Jesus, not just faith in God. Ephesians 2.8 tells us that it's, it's by faith you have been saved. Galatians 2.16 in Jesus Christ justified by Galatians 3.26 tells us, so in Christ Jesus, you who are all children of God through faith. Holy Scriptures, through faith, make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 11.6, it says, without faith, we've got to have faith. We've got to have trust. We've got to be fully persuaded that, that, that God will come, told us he will do extra credit from. That's where we get a righteousness from God is Having faith in Jesus Christ. Having faith in fear. Not that, again, but faith in Jesus. So why just in Jesus? Totally got it. See, God is just. Genesis 18, 25 tells us, will not the judge of all the earth do right? He's going to judge us justly. Why is God so mean? not going to give us a free path? Good God sent people to hell. Like, that just sounds mean. That just sounds wrong. Isn't God loving? Isn't, isn't, doesn't it say that? But here's the thing. Uh, could we agree on it? isn't bad. A judge isn't bad. A, a judge is bad when they don't send the murderer to jail. When they just don't let him off, when they just give him a free pass. Because they're not doing their job. See, God punishes us. Not because he's bad and mean, but he punishes us. In his righteousness, he doesn't allow sin into heaven. He doesn't allow that. But he punishes, he gives us the just punishment. In God's eyes, we're, we're faced with, a, but in our eyes, we feel like God is faced with this tough problem. 
God is holy and he's just. That's this in loves. It also says that God is loving in this passage. How can God be just and holy? And, and how can he be loving at the same time? Right? There's this tension. And he wants to, right? God is perfect. He wants to spend time with them. So how can he do that if they're sinful? But he finds a way to make both work. He finds a, a way, finds a, a way to his holiness, but also in his love. How does he do that? You've heard it before. God so loved. He said, while they can't do it themselves, I can send you Jesus. This, and you can make a, a perfect life. I mean, he was tempted just the way you and I were tempted. He remained right in himself. Deserving of death. He wasn't deserving of that punishment. But yet, he went to the cross. The wrath of God that, and when he was on that cross, us. Instead, it was poured out on Jesus on that cross that day. Romans chapter 3. Sacrifice of atonement. He became the sacrifice for us. He became that, that extra credit that we didn't deserve. But he was transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. See, it's on the cry, his wounds, everything. It's on the cross that satisfies both God's wrath and God's love at the same time. Even Jesus, if we have faith in Jesus, if we make him our Lord, if we make him our Savior, that he forgives so that when we die, when we go to heaven, or when we go to judgment day one day, the Lord looks at us and he doesn't see our but he's a faithful servant. And that's what we're living for. So why did Jesus go on the cross, Romans 3.26? He did this to demonstrate the great God that we see, both just and loving. Just one final thought here, Romans 3.27 concludes this. You have nothing to boast about. Because you didn't earn grace. Even though you had faith, you, you didn't earn boast about it. Jesus, all we can do is be thankful. All we can do is be thankful. And so today, in remembering the close our time today, that Jesus made for us. If you didn't grab a cup in just a moment, there'll be some time you can go back and but going for many of the just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for, for what you did in my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 tells us that everyone ought to examine themselves. For they can take some time to drink of the cup. Where are you at today? Are you, are you living thinking, all right, I'm working hard, you know, and that's how I'm getting to heaven. Are you living by grace? Saying, Jesus, I'm saying, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I need more of your grace today than I did yesterday. Today, during this time as well, accept Jesus. You have just this reflection of him. You haven't been living for him. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior before. Now's the time. Man, now's the time. Make things right with God. I'm sinful. It's a simple prayer. I'm sinful. God, I need a Savior. Lord, would you forgive me? Thank you for, that you died and that you rose. Today, you, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive Jesus is your the only requirement for him so I encourage you today in these next few moments the worship team is just going to play and I want you just to take this time to reflect thank you 
take that moment right now, just between you and God. Worthy of every worthy of all ever seen, could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath could ever breathe. Jesus, the name above every other name who could ever Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Thank you that you would die for us. You die for us. Just on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. When he do this, broke it and said, this. "So today you can just pull off that top wrapper and and let's let's just hold this bread together as we we this bread." Jesus, we thank you. And we remember how you made it. You were beaten. You were hit with a crown of shit. Lord, thank you. God, I can't imagine the pain that you endured, but that you took the that was meant for us, that we earned, that we deserved. But Lord, you, you took our punk because you love us. So Lord, we thank you for the bread today. And we remember After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this 
proclaim the Lord's death in remembrance of me until he comes. So would you take the, the, the cup? Says in there, we remember the until he comes. So in this time of communion, it's not simply not remembering, but it's all come back in power and in glory to take us to be with him. And it Jesus will because of the blood that he shed. We thank you for the blood that was shed on that cross. That that blood, all our mistakes, covers over. That's putting it nicely, God. This this blood covers up all those times against you. I had to say. And we intentionally did otherwise. God, we were your enemies. We were your enemies. But yet you why we were rejecting you. Even there, you said, for can't comprehend that kind of love. Thank you. Thank you for your member. Thank you, and we look forward to what's to come. Thank you for making us clean. Thank you for a righteousness from God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand? God good. Isn't God good? Today, these altars are open. Alone with God. Some God's speaking to you. If he's moving with you and agree with you in prayer. But, but just come and find a place to seek after him. Lift up his name. Today, I'm going to pray for you and God. Seek after your friends. I encourage you. Stick around. Maybe you just need to sit here and just say thank you. Thank you. We could say thank you all day because God's grace is so amazing. So much for your sacks. We thank you so much that we can be made new, that we can be made whole. God, we don't deserve it, but Lord, in you there is freedom, iniquities, healing. Our peace was your punishment. Thank you, Lord. What other response can we have? Thank you. Lord, may we not just be grateful in this moment, but God, may we be grateful every, every minute of our lives, every second, humbly. May we be grateful. May we live generously because you've been so generous with us. It's your people. Meet us in these altars. Meet us in these. Amen.